We're taking you from sideline to sideline and everything in between. It's your one-stop shop for all things football. Join me, Aaron Mukes, every other Friday for fresh takes, breaking news, and more. College or NFL, whatever your flavor, we got you covered. This is Sideline to Sideline, the podcast. All the spotted. The kick is away. And the kick is... It's going on! Don't jump it! In trouble. Here comes the rush. And here's the hit. And a lot. Second down attempt. Ladies and gentlemen, now your host, Mr. Aaron Mutes, and his co-host, Akeem. This is your one-stop shop for all college and NFL football. Here is Sideline to Sideline. T-G-I-F. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. This is the Sideline to Sideline podcast, episode number seven. I am your host, Aaron Mukes, once again, riding solo. Um, look, man, uh, great show last week. Had a lot of had a lot to touch on. We're going we're going to keep it rolling this week, though, man. I got a ton to get to. But before we get into that, there's some there's some things I want to talk about. First, coming up next week, man, we're going to have our first fantasy football show. I'm telling you, this this is going to be straight fire. I got a special host, David Gonzalez. He is uh, Sack Fantasy Experts on Twitter. And we'll give you all that information coming this week. But we're going to sit down. We're going to have some uh, some rankings. We're going to talk fantasy football. The whole show will be fantasy football. And, again, we're going to spend, we're going to spend a lot of time on it. It's going to be probably an hour long, maybe a little bit longer. So it's going to be a good show. So check that out. It'll be dropping next Friday. Other than that, man, it's, it's been good. I appreciate all the love and support. Thank you guys for downloading or listening. I don't care if it's one listener or 2,000 listeners. Uh, I love talking football. And hopefully we got more to come. Special guests um, as we progress, you know, in this crazy time, especially with the COVID stuff going on. And, and you know, out here in, in California, man, we got we on fire now. So uh who knows what's going to be next in 2020 so we on fire but we're going to keep talking football and that's the only way i know uh how um how to live it so let's go ahead and get started man let's go sideline to sideline here we go all right first up man let's talk about some of these signings um i was hoping to have akeem on today because i wanted to ask him this right off the bat let's talk about this jordan reed signing with the niners you know i feel like this is a i feel like this is kind of a Hey, let's just sign him because he has a lot of talent. We have extra money. He's probably not going to do anything on our squad kind of signing. Now, I love Jordan Reed. I mean, from a talent perspective, Jordan Reed, the tight end has potential. But the man can't stay healthy. Too many concussions. Can't stay on the field. I really don't know the motives behind bringing him to San Francisco other than having a talented tight end to back up the best tight end in the game, which is George Kittle. So I really don't think there's going to be a huge impact there. Uh, Niner fans, you can tell me otherwise, but you know, you'll know you say there's just another talented piece added to the roster. I'm going to say he's going to mean absolutely nothing for this team this year. I don't see him staying healthy, and I don't see him having a big impact in the offense. Um, yeah, it does give him another weapon. If he can stay healthy, he might surprise some people, but I just don't see it happening. Uh, number two, sideline to sideline. Here we go. Bruce Arians says... Tom Brady gets cussed out just like everybody else. I, man, I'm telling you, I love Arians as a coach. I don't care. He doesn't care if you're Tom Brady, 
Walter Payton, Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, Deion Sanders. It doesn't matter who it is. He, he's going to cuss you out no matter who's on the field. And I love that quote by him. Um, there's been talk about Brady struggling, which we talked about last week. Not struggling, but, you know, having to learn a new playbook. And that could take some time. And the fact that if he makes a mistake, Bruce Arians is going to cuss him out the same way he would cuss out Jameis Winston, for instance. Um, it makes me makes me happy. So I like that kind of coach. I like the fact that, you know, he's not treating Brady any differently. And I think in the long run, that'll help them. Now, I don't think Brady's going to have a problem um, learning an offense or or doing anything like that. I mean, he's one of the smartest quarterbacks to play the game. So I think that'll, I think that'll all work out. But I loved the quote by Bruce Arians, and it shows what kind of team he's trying to build and where they're trying to go. And, you know, obviously they have a, a lot of eyes on them this year, and a lot of people are picking them as favorites in that division or at least making playoffs and making some noise deep into the playoffs. So number three, sideline to sideline. Here we go. Des Bryant is visiting the Ravens for a workout this week. I found this extremely interesting because I'm a I'm a big Des Bryant fan. Obviously, you know, being a Cowboys fan, I have a little soft spot for Des. But even before he was on the Dallas Cowboys at Oklahoma State, I was a fan. I just like the dude's skill set. I like his animal instinct on the field. I like how he likes to go up and get it. He's not afraid. He's not going to back down from anybody. And he wants the ball. And I think that's, you know, as a receiver, all receivers want the ball. But I like those receivers that are demonstrative at saying, hey, give me the ball and I'm going to make plays. And, you know, throughout his career, he was given some given some grief about the way he was demonstrative on the sidelines and the way he would, you know, yell at coaches or yell at teammates. And everybody that's played with him has talked about him being a good teammate. And I, I find that to be interesting, that people take competitiveness and fire and make it seem like they're, you know, they're a head case or a problem. And, you know, he had his issues off the field, but for the most part, man, he's got his head on straight. Uh, like what he's doing on social media and kind of what he he puts out there in the world. So I'm really excited for his visit to Baltimore. Hopefully they sign him and this time he can stay healthy enough to actually get on the field. Cause I do think he could help that team being a, a run first team. He could be that possession receiver gets big third downs with him and Mark Andrews. And then you have Hollywood Brown over the top. Um, that's that's already an explosive offense. Uh, he can definitely add an element and then give them a nice red zone threat. He's always been really good in the red zone. And, you know, you look at his numbers, they're not far off from Calvin Johnson's when it comes to touchdowns and things like that. And, you know, Calvin Johnson, it was a specimen and always going to be looked at as better than Des Bryant. But those numbers speak volume. And, you know, he's only 31 or 30 or 31. Uh, I think he has a few more years of productive football left in him. You know, maybe not what he was in his prime, but I think he can play. So I'm interested to see what happens there. And last number four, sideline to sideline. Here we go. Kansas city chiefs announced that they are going to have 22% capacity for their home opener. And I'm really excited about this, man. Cause a lot of talking about COVID-19 and no fans, uh, no season, or there's going to be problems with the season. And, you know, we're seeing it in the NBA with the bubble, that it's successful. Major League Baseball has had their issues, but that you know a lot of that speaks to leadership, how these organizations are being ran. And I think baseball did a poor job from the jump to identify how they wanted to approach this season. I think the NFL was in a good position to watch the NBA, watch Major League Baseball, watch the NHL, watch soccer, watch all these these sports leagues 
you know, go through this pandemic and then come back and see what works and what doesn't. Now, obviously, it's a little bit too difficult to do a bubble in the NFL. But with the agreement that the players have with the league about the protocols that they have to follow, things of that sort, I think they're going to I think they're going to be fine. I think the NFL has always done a really good job of being progressive when it comes to um, just making their league better. And, you know, a lot of talks have been about the turmoil the, the players have always had with the owners, but the NFL has always found a way to make money and make their product really, really good on the field. So um, be that what it may, you can love it, you can hate it. I think the NFL will be, will be just fine. I think Adam Schefter reported their full steam ahead. They don't anticipate any issues. And the fact is, is all the training camps right now are being ran the same way. They're following the protocols. The teams are taking the, the illness seriously and they're making sure that they can play football come week one. So I'm excited about that. Tennessee did announce that they would not have fans. So that was kind of disappointing. But the fact that a team is already on the already leaning towards having fans, I, I think that's going to make a huge difference when once week one rolls around. So um, I look forward to that and we will see how that all plays out. But let's get to it, man. I want to get to some of these topics today. Some of these main topics I wanted to get to. Training camps are open. Um, for those of you that have been watching Hard Knocks, I haven't got a chance to to sit down and watch episodes one and two yet, or one, or I don't even know what they're at. But um, I'm definitely going to get to that this weekend. But camps are open, and we've already seen a number of major injuries to key players that I feel should should have had an impact this year. And um, the first one I want to talk about is, you know, we seem to have this conversation every year. A.J. Green. You know, he's on the Bengals, man. They just they just drafted Joe Burrow number one. He came off a season where he was going to play, he wasn't going to play, he was going to play. Nope, he's not ready. Then he wasn't going to be with Cincinnati anymore, but then he's there, and he's already got a hamstring injury this year. Now, look, I'm an A.J. Green guy. He's, he's a phenomenal receiver. But when is Cincinnati just going to be like, hey, you can't stay healthy, we can't use you? Um. I, it's just, a, I know it's, it's a minor setback. They're saying it's not nothing too big. It's just a hamstring pull. He should be ready to go. But we see this time and time again with A.J. Green. If you want to be one of these elite receivers in the league, when are you going to stay healthy? You're already getting up there in age. You're not getting any younger. When are you going to show us on the field that you're still that receiver, you know, 12, 1,300-yard receiver that can – lead a team and make plays. And it's most important right now, you have a rookie quarterback coming into a situation with, I mean, the Bengals have decent weapons at the skill position. I don't want, you know, let's not talk about their offensive line or their defense because, you know, that could take a whole show in itself. But from the skill position, you look at their their team, it's not like they lack, it's not like they lack talent. They have talent. I mean, if Joe Burrow turns out to be what everybody's saying he should be. I, I mean, I'm not one of them. But if he does, they, sh- they they have enough weapons. They should be able to score. You have Joe Mixon at running back. I don't care what anybody says. He's one of the top running backs in the league. He does it with no offensive line, no help, and he still puts up good numbers. He's He's a great talent, and if you put a team around him, he can be a lead back. I mean, he's shown he can be a lead back. You have... Obviously, A.J. Green, if he's healthy. You have Tyler Boyd, who they just signed to a major contract, and 
he proved that he could be a I, I don't want to say he's the number one receiver. He did perform like a number one receiver at times, but I feel he's still best complimenting a number one receiver. So when you add AJ Green, a healthy AJ Green with Tyler Boyd, and then you have, you know, John Ross, who's again can't stay healthy, but electrifying, you know, when he's there. And then you add in rookie T. Higgins, there's weapons there. There's definitely weapons for, for Burrow, but again, we need to see them stay healthy, and it starts with A.J. Green. And if A.J. Green's not healthy, once again, we're going to be looking at the Bengals, wondering what's going on in that organization, what are they doing, and probably looking at a top three to five pick again, if not number one. Uh, a couple of the other injuries was Trey Wayne's kind of hurt his chest. Um, not he's He's gone. I think he's gone for the year. Um I thought that was big. You know, he's been a, a decent corner. Um, what I wanted to really talk about, again, the, the 49ers. I've been hearing this name for a couple of years now. Supposed to be a good year last year. Got hurt. Came back this year. I heard big things. Jalen Hurd, and then he goes out and tears his ACL. Um, it's unfortunate. You know, you never want to see a player, especially with a leg injury, an ACL, especially at the receiver position. But it just goes to show you, once again, all the hype. Hey, this guy's going to pan out. Um, we're looking to next year again. So Niner fans, I know it's disappointing, and I've seen they've made a couple of additions at the wide receiver position, which we will get to later. But I, I still think they're going to have issues at the playmaking position. We, we Without Debo Samuel, right, for the for who knows how long, Liz Frank could be could be a while. You know, they, they say there's a chance it's early in the season, but it, we could be looking more midseason. To later in the year, obviously George Kittle, best tight end in the game, but there's they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Where else? I mean, who knows what Brendan Ayuk's gonna turn into? Where else are they gonna find pass catchers? And I think that's being overlooked right now because of Shanahan's offense and the way he gets people involved. Kendrick Bourne showed some signs last year, but he drops way too many balls. It's just gonna be interesting to see who can line up on the other side uh, or line up on the outside with. With George Kittle, you know, lining up in the slot and, you know, on the line of scrimmage, who's going to line up outside that's going to make plays for them when they need it? And I think that's going to be the big question. And if not, if there's nobody out there, does that affect Jimmy Garoppolo and does he take a step backwards? So I think that's going to be that's going to be kind of the big storyline in Niners camp is who's going to step up on the outside that's going to make them, you know, make them a viable offense where teams aren't just stacking the box, looking at George Kittle and, you know, dealing with play action every now and then, but nobody to actually take the top off the defense or, or make those big plays. And then obviously the devastating injury of training camp thus far. Yes, it's a homer pick was Gerald McCoy with the Dallas Cowboys, you know, rupturing his quad. It was disappointing to hear that. I, I'm a big fan, big, big fan of Gerald McCoy. I love his, his tenacity on the D line. I thought, with the addition of him and a couple others, our D line was one of our deepest positions. And I, I looked forward to watching him play in that, in that defense. And it, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. And then they cut him, <laughs> you know, they, they signed him to a deal with the clause of, Hey, if his quad doesn't pan out, they can cut him. They pay him the 3 million and they're off the hook for everything else. And, you know, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, that's terrible. Why would teams do that? But let's be honest, the teams have to protect themselves. We talk about this all the time. There's a reason why players get their money. There's a reason why. 
There's a reason why they get their money early. And they know if I get injured, I might not be around. And unfortunately, in this circumstance, he got injured. They cut him based on the clauses in his contract. So they don't have to pay him. They give him the three million and they move on. Um, so it was disappointing. B big time disappointment. But they did make a splash a couple days before it happened, and we'll get to that later as well. Super excited about that, by the way. But I wanted to talk about a couple of big deals that were signed over the past week or so, and that's by by two tight ends. You know, this the tight end market is I, I was it's down. There's not when you look across the league, I don't get super excited about a number of tight ends. The two best in the game are clear to me. I don't think there's a debate. If you want to debate it. Good luck, but I don't think there's a debate. One and two is George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And we've seen them this week both sign major deals. And I will say I, I kind of expected it. I, I kind of expected it from George Kittle. I didn't think Travis Kelsey's deal would happen so quickly, especially after Kansas City just signed Patrick Mahomes and just signed Chris Jones. I don't know where they're, where they're finding all this money. I don't know how they're working these contracts. But everybody went crazy when Patrick Mahomes signed for $500 million, wondering, how are Kansas City going to keep all the weapons? How are they going to put a team behind them? Well, obviously, they're doing something right. By allowing Patrick Mahomes' contract to kick in after his current deal's over, they're able to use money now to sign Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, and they have a core that they're going to be in the Super Bowl or fighting for a Super Bowl every year for the next, you know, five, ten years. Who knows? As long as Patrick Mahomes is there, in my opinion. But George Kittle got the, the richest deal from the position um, in league history. Five years, $75 million. And Travis Kelsey got an extension of four years, $57 million. But he had two years remaining on his deal. So it ties him to Kansas City for the next six years. So basically, he should finish his career or towards the end of his career with Kansas City, um, at least spending his prime there. I thought these deals were, were important for both teams because their teams rely heavily on the tight end. Both extremely valuable, both block well. You know, they're out there. They're the safety blankets for these quarterbacks. And Mahomes is far superior than than Jimmy Garoppolo. But when Mahomes gets in trouble, he's looking for 87. When Garoppolo gets in trouble, outside of when he looks like a deer in headlights, he's looking for 85. So um, it's definitely it's definitely two important deals for those teams. And we could be looking at a rematch of the Super Bowl. Um, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to put the 49ers back there yet. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see in the NFC, but the Chiefs I have going back to the Super Bowl, the, the Niners will be contenders there uh, unless there's just a huge drop off from Jimmy Garoppolo's progress. I don't see I don't see many teams in the NFC being able to deal with that defense and then obviously Shanahan being the play caller that he is. Uh, I think there's a couple of wild card teams that if they improve they could be up there and you know cause some cause some disruption to that to that trip back to the Super Bowl. But right now, if I had to pick a favorite, it's hard to bet against the Niners just because they were there last year. They didn't lose a whole lot, um, but it'll be early. It'll be um, interesting to see early in the season how they handle the Debo Samuel injury and their how their offense looks. Because obviously, down the stretch in the Super Bowl, their offense came up short, as did their defense. But they had a tough time putting that game away. And holding on to the ball. So we'll see how that plays out. And then the last signing I want to talk about, which 
is big time is Everson Griffin to the Dallas Cowboys. Now it's only a one year deal and it just goes to further prove what kind of mode the Cowboys are in. I feel like they're in win now. Let's get it done. We need it. We need a Super Bowl now. It's been too long and just a, a great signing, you know, one year, 6 million for a defensive lineman. That's been, you know, he's been phenomenal the last, last couple seasons in Minnesota. And I know they wanted to resign him. Mike Zimmer had, had spoken very highly of him in that uh, in that defense, and I think I think him coming to Dallas is going to enhance that defensive line even more. When you have you got Demarcus Lawrence on the outside, you still have Tyrone Crawford, you still have um, Antoine Woods. You're getting Don Terry Poe. You have you you have a lot of good players, and now you add Everson Griffith on the outside to take Robert Quinn's place. If you want to work him in on the inside a little bit, you can too. He's so versatile. I just love love the signing, and I could see it. I could see it working out for the Cowboys this year. Um, big big time trade, man. We've seen since the last time we 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 talked. We 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 talked a little bit about it before Jamal Adams being in Seattle, but I wanted to talk about this quote that took place this this week by the Jets' defensive coordinator in Greg Williams. I, I first of all. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know why he felt the need to speak up. I think there's a little bit of sour grapes there. Um, whenever somebody excels and then they leave a team, there seems to be always somebody that wants to come out and throw shots or throw shade at the move or what's going to happen or why the team did it. And I'm just really tired of it. But Jamal Adams is, quote, going to get bored in Seattle's defense. And I, I, I mean, it's laughable to me. The, the the intensity in which Jamal Adams plays, I don't think there's a scenario where he can be bored. I really don't. I mean, you look at, was Earl Thomas bored in that system? <laughs> I mean, really, was Earl Thomas bored? He was all over the place. Was Cam Chancellor bored in Seattle? And now you get Greg Williams, who's known to be aggressive defensive mind, and because they're not going to use him the same way they use him in New York, but he's going to get bored. And I, I think it was, I think it was interesting by Jamal Adams replying, "I don't think I'll get bored winning," and that's all you have to say. Seattle's winning team. I don't think many players get bored when they win. So, Greg Williams honestly he just needs to shut up. He's a, he's a great defensive mind, but sometimes he just talks out his ass, and some of the things he says or does. It just rubs me the wrong way, and I'm not I'm not by any means questioning his football acumen or his his resume. Obviously, he's been one of the one of the better defensive coordinators in the league for a number of years. But he's gone. He's not on your team anymore. Why can't you just let it be? You get everybody throwing shots, then you get Le'Veon Bell throwing shots. Well, you're the one who asked me to come here. Who cares? He wanted you to come there. You didn't perform that great. You weren't winning. He wants to win. So he left. Everybody feels like they're owed something by somebody. I just, you know, honestly, I get tired of it. Jamal Adams has been saying, I want a new deal. They didn't want to sign him. He said he wants out. He wants to win. He's a competitor. In my opinion, the best safety in the league. There's, you know, there's a couple of guys that I've mentioned before that are right there. But Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league. He, he can do everything. He can cover. He can play at the line of scrimmage. He tackles. Great ball skills. Best safety in the league. Young. That's somebody you build your defense around. And 
Seattle knows that. So Seattle gave up, uh, you know, they, they gave a King's ransom for him and they know they have to pay him. So they know what they're getting and what type of player they're getting. And for anybody else to kind of speak out on how he's going to fit into that system or how they're going to use him or what he's going to feel like, it's just ridiculous to me. So, you know, Greg Williams, worry about coaching your own defense and the lack of talent that you have over there or lack of winning that you've had since you've been there. So let, let's, let's figure that out first. All right, now that I'm done with that rant, I got on my nerves, man. Um, some there's some still some there's still some key free agents out there that I think I, I'm wondering when they're going to get signed or if they're going to get signed at all. Obviously, the number one being Jadavian Clowney, and I would really like to see him go back to Seattle. Although I think that might be out of the question now with the Jamal Adams thing. Um, I'm not sure they can afford him, and they, they keep saying the reason he's not on a team is because of his asking price. At, at what point does a player say, man, look, I don't know if I'm going to get a job and I might have to sign for something less than I want. And Clowney has been good, but you know, there's been times where he's disappeared in big moments. And then he's had games where he looks like the most unstoppable force you've ever seen on the defensive line. So the inconsistencies, I think play a role in him not getting the elite money that he may want. You know, when you talk about these elite pass rushers, they're bringing it day in, day out. Khalil Mack, Von Miller, like they're not, it's not, hey, they have a game where they disappear. The reason they're getting big deals is because they're there every game. And I, I think Jadavian Clowney's just lacked that, that consistency, and it's causing him to lose out on a little bit of money. But between him and the other free agent I would like to see get signed, and I think you know a lot of teams can use him, is Logan Ryan. And I think that's a, a very undervalued player. I'm not sure why he's still available. I don't know if he's looking for the right deal or the right fit, but... I would it's it's going to surprise me if he's not on a roster by week 1. I think training camp may people may see where they're they're lacking um in the secondary and he might kind of fit in somewhere and get a deal. So I'm looking forward to that. Those are the two free agents that I'm keeping my eye on. Everybody else is kind of up in the air. So we'll see what happens there. I don't think we have a season with Either one of them guys just sitting out. So I'm sure they'll get signed at some point. It's just a matter of where and then for how much. All right. Let's keep it moving here. I'm telling you, man, this 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 week, it's we're almost there, man. Football's almost here. I think we we're 24. Well, no, let's see. 23, 22 days out. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait till that first game. Fans are no fans. I'm going to be glued to my TV watching every minute of it. It's 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 good to have football back. I know college is doing their thing, but it's good to, that the NFL is, is moving forward to get some normalcy. Uh, love what the NBA is doing. It's, it's time for football. So let's keep it pushing. I wanted to talk about these these year two quarterbacks. We got a, we got a couple of year two quarterbacks that I'm interested in, in seeing. So the past two years we've seen Lamar Jackson, We've seen Patrick Mahomes both win MVPs, both of them in their second year. And this year we have Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, all viable starters at the moment. Um, you know, Washington, that may play out differently if Alex Smith is able to play or whatever. But the other four are kind of locks to be starters going into the 2020 season. And I'm I'm curious to see you know, which quarterback kind of takes that next step. 
And I was looking at something online and they were talking about which year two quarterback could be the next MVP. And number one, I don't see any of these guys stepping up enough this year to be MVP. I, I just don't see it. With Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and all the talent that's in the NFL, Tom Brady in, in Tampa now, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and you know all the great receivers, I, I don't see one of these quarterbacks having that great of a year to where we're naming them MVP at the end of the season. But I do think two quarterbacks in particular are going to have huge years um, in comparison to, to what they did last year. And that's both Kyler Murray and Drew Locke. And I know I'm going to hear shit for jumping on the Drew Locke bandwagon. I just I just like what they're doing in Denver. I like the fact that they're they've added weapons, the Jerry Judys. They they I'm a big fan of Cortland Sutton. I think with the with adding Melvin Gordon with Philip Lindsay. Noah Fant is a young tight end with phenomenal skill. It's it's going to be interesting, but I think there's a ton of weapons, and their offense is going to be a tough a, a, a tough out. Now there's still questions on the defensive end. You know we know that, and the offensive line still needs work. And Drew Locke has a tendency to sometimes be a bit of a gunslinger and can make mistakes. But even with that said, he played pretty well last year as a rookie. He played well, and I think it's his natural progression is to maybe take a step back. Defenses are going to adjust. They're going to know what he likes to do, what he doesn't like to do. You know, they're going to give him different looks. So, you know, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging for him, but I, I think he can overcome it. He has the arm talent. There's no denying that. One of the best arms in the league. He can make every throw. I, I really like what Drew Locke is bringing to the table, and I think a lot of people slept on him going into the draft. And I think Denver got a steal getting him as late as they did. And then Kyler Murray, the number one pick overall size. I don't care. The kid can play. I, I do worry about his durability. He, you know, he runs a, a different way than like Lamar Jackson. You watch Lamar Jackson play football. He runs the ball a lot, but he never takes a big hit. He just has this knack of getting down, turning his body, sliding, running out of bounds. He just knows how to not take a hit. And it may have come from years of just having to run the football. He did it all at Louisville. But Kyler Murray seems to take a little bit more hits, and he's a little bit more fragile than Lamar Jackson. So I do worry about his durability. But from a from a quarterback, arm talent, reading a defense, accuracy perspective, there is no denying this kid's talent. And you add DeAndre Hopkins to an offense with Larry Fitzgerald that's spread out with Cliff Kingsbury chucking it all over the field and Christian Kirk and Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. I, man, I think I think I think Kyler Murray has a monster year. And I think Arizona takes a huge step forward this year. They're kind of a dark horse for me. I'm not picking them to win the NFC West or, you know, dethroning the Niners or even finishing ahead of Seattle for that matter. But I do see them making some noise and being a very, very competitive football team. And it wouldn't shock me if they're, you know, we come to the end of the season and they're fighting for that new and improved seventh playoff seed. It wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me at all. There are some teams in the NFC that I just don't like at all. Arizona will finish ahead of the Rams and they will be fighting for that seventh seed of the playoffs towards the end of the year. Um, and Kyler Murray is going to be a huge part of that, um, especially with the connection with him and DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald, who is the GOAT, by the way, at the receiver position. And then, uh, like Gardner Minshew, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, where do they end up? 
let's let's be honest. <laughs> Akeem has said this a number of times. Dwayne Haskins just doesn't look very good. And I know it was his rookie year, and there was a lot of talk at why the Giants took Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. But when you watch Daniel Jones play, you can kind of, man, that guy, there's something there. You can see the arm talent. You can see his, you know, he's comfortable. Like, there's he turns the ball over a lot, but there's something there. With Dwayne Haskins, there were times last year he just looked clueless. Like, he didn't know how to play football. And on a team with not a lot of weapons, He's going. He's going to struggle, and I, I wouldn't. It would not shock me. You know, I, I root for Alex Smith. Um, I've said a number of times. I think Alex Smith's career is over. I don't think he'll ever play a down in football in the NFL again. Maybe as a backup, but never like be that starting quarterback again. But it wouldn't surprise me if there is some sort of quarterback competition in Washington, even with an older, less mobile Alex Smith. Just because I'm not sure about Dwayne Haskins. Now, I do want to give the kid some credit and give him some time. He has to develop, and he didn't start for very long at Ohio State and all this stuff. But he just doesn't look like he has that that franchise quarterback feel at this point in time. And Washington has a ton of issues right now going on. So who knows you know, what they're going to do. They need to surround him with more talent. I like, I like what they're doing at the receiver position with Terry McLaurin. But we'll see how how Dwayne Haskins can can adjust year two and if he takes a step forward or if he looks like the Dwayne Haskins of last year. And then Gardner Minshew and Daniel, Daniel Jones is going to be, I think he'll take a step forward, but I don't think the Giants are any good. I think he'll have good games where he looks really good and he'll have bad games where he looks really bad. Uh, I think they're a few years away. Saquon's going to be wasted in his prime in New York because they don't know what they're doing over there. Dave Gettleman has no clue. And yeah, Saquon's going to be wasted. So thank you for being such a superior talent, Saquon Barkley. But much like Barry Sanders was wasted in Detroit, you will probably be wasted in New York because they have so many issues that I don't see it changing anytime soon. And Garner Minshew is just a porn stash, gritty quarterback that I like. I I liked watching him last year. I think he could be a starter in the league for for your team. Uh, he's definitely probably one of the 32 best quarterbacks. But will he take him anywhere? No. He's not a franchise guy. He's got some things I like. I like his mobility. I like his, you know, he has guts. I like the way he's he takes on challenges. He's not afraid. He doesn't look like he's afraid out there on the field. And for a young quarterback, you know, that's that's rare. You can often see a young quarterbacks that look lost or afraid on the field and he doesn't look like anything phases him. So I like that, but Jacksonville's not going anywhere. Uh, That's a team that a couple of years ago, we saw them in an AFC championship game. They probably should have won. And ever since then, it's just been, it's been terrible. Um, Players want to leave. It seems like the front office is in shambles. Uh, Fournette's going to be a free agent. You lost Jalen Ramsey. Um, Ngakwe wants out. You just have a lot going on there. and But they got a pool in their stadium. That That's nice. I mean, I'd want to take a trip to Jacksonville to watch a game and just to kick it by the pool. Like, kick it in the pool, watching a game. I mean, I'm, I'm with that. So, um, But outside of that, man, I don't see Jacksonville do nothing, especially in that division where there's going to be, you know, three teams possibly fighting for that, that division title. Who has the 
top weapons in the league. So many good offenses, man. So many good offenses. We we can I mean we can create a, a list and I would say sixteen to twenty teams, if you look at their skill position players, they're unbelievable. I mean, teams like Buffalo, who was a good team last year, you, you don't really put them up there with all these but then you add you look at them and you got you got Devin Singletary, you got John Brown, you have Stephon Diggs, you have Cole Beasley. I mean, you have Dawson Knox. Like young guys with potential who performed last year. These are good offenses. So I was thinking, I was like, what are the top offenses in the league? Just looking strictly at skill positions, wide receiver, running back, tight end. Who are the, who are the top? I mean, everybody's going to put Kansas City up there first. But let's remember, Kansas City has a rookie running back who, by the way, has been raved about, and we'll talk more about this next week when we get into our fantasy show with the absence of Damian Williams, but he's been raved about in camp already, how good he's looking, he's going to be a fantasy stud, all that stuff, but we still have to remember he's a rookie, and then Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Travis Kelsey, but let's be real, Patrick Mahomes will make any receiver look good. I mean, Demarcus Robinson was looking good. Miko Hardman is a stud. So he's there. So they have they have explosive players all over the field. But when you have Patrick Mahomes' arm, your skill position players are going to be better. I mean, they're going to outperform what they probably are. Uh, and then you give them talent like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and then you just can't stop them. So obviously you're going to have the Chiefs up there. Baltimore. Baltimore does it a little bit differently. They do it more with the backfield. And then you add in Hollywood Brown. But the receiver position is really different with Baltimore. You don't have a a guy like a Tyreek Hill. You have Hollywood Brown, who's probably the closest thing to it. But he's unproven. Year two guy. So does Baltimore really have the amount of weapons that that you may think because of the amount of points they score? I I wouldn't put Baltimore as, as having an elite offensive weapons, you know, as far as in their arsenal. I think the way they run their offense and Lamar Jackson makes that offense special. And Mark Andrews is a, is a hell of a tight end. But overall, they're not that deep at wide receiver. And their running backs are good. Uh, but it's Mark Ingram. He's been good throughout his career. He's good. But I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see how J.K. Dobbins is incorporated into that offense. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. And then if they sign Des Bryant, that gives them another weapon, red zone threat, that I think, you know, then we're talking, you know, a little bit more talent there. But. I don't really have Baltimore up there. So those are the two teams that everybody talks about because they were like highest scoring last year. They, you know, they did a lot. This year with the addition of Tom Brady, you have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers getting a lot of a lot of talk. Godwin, Evans. I still have questions at the running back position. Ronald Jones has shown to be inconsistent at best. And then, you know, they, they don't have Peyton Barber anymore. And he was just kind of a just a guy. But they have O.J. Howard. They have Cameron Brait. They added Gronk. So they have the the receivers and the pass catchers. I I worry about their running game. They have to protect Tom Brady. But weapons-wise, on the outside, they can match up with anybody. The Saints, I love the Saints offense. And probably one of the most underrated signings this offseason was the Saints getting Emmanuel Sanders. And we've said it for a number of years. The Saints haven't had a number two receiver. Now you add Emmanuel Sanders, who I don't care what anybody says. He's a legit 
He's a very, very good wide receiver. Very, very good. Any team he can start on. Like, he's that. He's good. You mix him with Michael Thomas, a healthy Alvin Kamara, and then you still have um, drawing a blank, drawing a blank, <laughs> Latavius Murray, running back. That's right. Latavius Murray, who's a, who's a great goal line back, great at spelling short yardage, spelling Alvin Kamara, and then obviously Drew Brees throwing the football. I love that offense, the way Sean Payton calls plays. They've been robbed a couple of times in the Super Bowl. They've had some bad breaks. They've beat themselves a couple of times. But they should contend again. Um, I love that offense. I uh, Every year I love what they do. And, yes, I'm going to say it. Everybody can call it a homer pick or whatever it is. My Dallas Cowboys. They're loaded. Now, will they win? Eh, who knows? We say the same thing every year, right? Uh, but from an offensive talent perspective, it doesn't get much better than Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, uh, C.D. Lamb, Ezekiel Elliott. And Tony Pollard, by the way, who doesn't get enough credit, but he could start for some teams. I'm telling you right now, Tony Pollard will be a starting running back in this league. He might not get a chance in Dallas because Zeke is there, signed a long-term deal. But come year four or year three, when he's set to hit that free agent market, somebody will give him a little bit of money, and he'll go out on a team and earn a job and be a starting running back. He's explosive. Um, so they have, they have a, a ton of talent all over the offensive side of the football, a good offensive line. Dax playing, you know, can play well. They should be a very explosive offense. You can throw in there Seattle. You can throw in there Atlanta. Um, you can throw in there Green Bay. And I, I say Green Bay because anytime you have Aaron Rodgers, you have an explosive offense. But Devontae Adams, I like Aaron Jones. I know there's a lot of talk about A.J. Dillon's thighs. Uh, but Aaron Jones is still the man there, and people forget what he did last year. And when they finally freed him and gave him the ball, he showed what he's what he's capable of. So I, I like Green Bay's offense. There's there's just a ton of offensive talent in the league right now, and I'm if I had to pick one outside of Kansas City, let, let's leave Kansas City out of it because they're the favorites. If I had to pick one. I'm, I'm going to go with New Orleans, man. I think New Orleans this year is going to be just uh, – I think this might be their year. I know we've said it the past couple of years, and they've been real close. But when we look at what's happened to them in the Rams game and then the Vikings game in the playoffs, it just some heartbreaking defeats. And then you think, well, how are they going to come back from that? And they always do. And as long as you have Sean Payton and Drew Brees – and then you've added the weapons like Emmanuel Sanders and Michael Thomas is playing out of his mind as the best receiver in football. And you still have a Alvin Kamara who now is healthy. I'm going to take, I'm going to take the saints. I think they're going to be the top offense in the league this year outside of Kansas city. And I'm going to put them probably in the NFC championship game again. And it's, it's, it's going to be between them, the Niners, Seattle, maybe, um, and then I got a dark horse team, which, which we'll talk about as the season approaches. But that's what I got. I think the Saint, I think the Saints' offense is is, is going to be good again. But I think they're going to take another step this year. I think it's going to be a lot better than it looked last year. All right, man. I think that's that's all I got for you today. Um, again, I want to send a shout out to my producer Akeem. Um, we got to get you back on the show, brother. I know it's been you've been busy. I've been busy. 
and we had some technical difficulties. We couldn't get you on, but we got to get you back. And I want to remind everybody again, next Friday is going to be our first fantasy football episode. I'm telling you right now, you don't want to miss it. We're going to be bringing you a lot of good stuff. My boy David, is he's a winner, man. He wins leagues. Uh, we're going to talk about the leagues he's won. We're going to we're gonna give you guys some picks, some rankings. We're going to talk everything fantasy football. So that show will come out Friday the 28th. Uh, like I said, it'll be a little bit longer, probably an hour, an hour and a half or so. We're going to cover everything fantasy football. I appreciate all the support. If you're downloading the show on Spotify or iTunes or wherever, um, continue to support. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Twitter. It's at S2 Podcast or Instagram is sideline to sideline underscore podcast on IG. Uh, just show us some love. You can also follow me on Facebook, um, just Aaron Mukes. I always post a lot of videos and and just stuff on there from from stuff I'm doing for for school and a lot of, a lot of content, man. I just I'm trying to put out as much as I can. I appreciate all the love, and I'm gonna continue to talk football. And the season starts, man. Yeah, I'm excited. Season starts in a couple of couple of weeks, and we're gonna get it going. So other than that, thank you for joining me. I will see you guys next week. We out.